0: What's up everybody? Isaac here, Civil Engineering Academy. Excited to be with you on another podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this. Thanks for giving us a like and a subscribe or leaving us a good review. We love and appreciate those things all the time. Hey, if you're in the hunt to pass your FD or PE exam, definitely give us a check out at civilengineeringacademy.com. We've got awesome courses, exams, and other stuff there to help you on your journey to pass. So definitely check that out. Today, I bring an awesome guest, Adrienne Burrows, onto the show. She graduated in environmental engineering, so I wanted to talk about that with her and hopefully give you guys, everyone that's out there, a bigger perspective as to what niche you can go into within civil engineering. Environmental engineering is definitely one of those. So we discussed kind of her career path, projects that she's worked on, tips related to employment things of that nature. I found it as a a very pleasing interview with Adrian and I think you're really going to enjoy this too. If you've ever wanted to learn more or have an itch to become an environmental engineer, then this is probably the episode for you. So this episode again is with Adrian Burrows. I'm excited to share it with you and our interview is going to be coming up right after this. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible, and we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, you can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits, and if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there, and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com/audible. That's a u d i b l e, and go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. Today's podcast is brought to you by Biltmore. Built Bar is awesome. It's 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious. If you have not tried these, I don't know what's wrong with you. They recently came out with a coconut brownie chunk, which is amazing. I'm a big coconut fan. So if you're in the coconut camp, you got to try that. If not, what's wrong with you? Just kidding. They have lots of other different flavors. So go check them out. They have strawberry. They've got cherry lime, peanut butter brownie, coconut. Again, different types of coconut bars, raspberry, double chocolate, and all kinds of stuff. This stuff is way better than a candy bar for you. Definitely a snack you want as you're studying for your FE or PE. It's got 130 calories, only two and a half grams of fat, four net carbs, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. This is way better than what's out there for other protein bars and definitely better than candy bars. So go check it out at civilengineeringacademy.com slash built and use our discount code of CIVAC and you'll get a 10% off on anything that you order there. So go check that out. All right, we are live and running. Adrian, thank you for joining me on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I appreciate you jumping on and doing this with me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah.
0: I'm excited to chat with you. I know your background and kind of what you went through school is environmental engineering. I think sometimes civil engineers don't maybe gravitate to that sometimes, but sometimes they do. But we had a little discussion earlier about these niches that you find yourself in, and I would like to hopefully talk more about that. But I think as we begin, though, why don't you tell us how you found yourself into this world of engineering? How did you get here?
1: So, both of my parents worked in healthcare. Honestly, almost everyone on my dad's side of the family was in healthcare. And I got to see firsthand that having a sense of service keeps you going through what will inevitably be a bad day here and there. I don't think I could make it in healthcare. I think we should all appreciate the people who are in healthcare because they put up with a lot. And so, engineering kind of felt like an avenue into public health in a way to sort of give back to the community and feel like I was doing something and putting things into practice because I actually had to go back to school. I got a second bachelor's to become an engineer. Initially, I was a biology major with a chemistry minor. I thought I was going to work in a lab. I thought I didn't like people and I graduated and I learned a lot of good lessons about myself and I do like people. And so... Engineering was a good way to kind of bridge that gap between we know we should be doing in practice. Let's just do it in practice. And the people skills are a good thing to bring to that equation.
0: Well, I think you bring up a good point, but there are a lot of engineers that also, I guess, don't love the people skills part. How have you seen in your own career where people skills has been an important piece of the pie?
1: Is it a cop out to say everywhere? My career path out of school, I worked at a very small startup firm where it was the two people who started it and me initially. And so part of people's skills is being able to like ask questions, not being afraid to ask questions, not being afraid of some criticism and knowing you have room to grow. And then after that, I went to a larger firm. I think it was around 200 people when I started, but I was the third person in their Colorado office. So a little bit of a similar environment, but that self-marketing within the firm brought me a lot of opportunities to work on a variety of projects that I wouldn't necessarily have gotten to work on. I think a lot of people sort of You develop one skill set a lot of times right after you graduate before you decide to switch jobs. And I feel very fortunate in that a lot of people were willing to take a chance with me and I've got to work on design for water lines, sewer lines, like process mechanical stuff in treatment plants. I've done some construction management. I've done some planning. I've done a little bit of modeling. You know, a lot of people don't get that breadth of experience, which I'm really glad to have it makes me confident when I want to drill deeper.
0: I think there's some differences, obviously, working between a smaller firm and a larger firm. And it sounds like you've kind of pinpointed some of those. Are there any other differences you can think of as you've experienced that?
1: I think it's really you can just make it what you want it. And I think the experience that I have from working at smaller firms, I think wearing a little bit of a smaller hat, you know, um, both of the two previous jobs that I had. We didn't have a dedicated admin person in our offices. We were our own, you know, like we arranged the big plotting jobs because we didn't have our own plotter at first and stuff like that and picking it up and delivery. And it gives you a lot of appreciation for what goes into running things. And I think that's not so much a skill, so much as it is just I'm able to recognize how much we lean on the other people that get ignored a lot. And I think bringing that to a bigger firm... Sometimes people are surprised. Maybe it's not surprised. Maybe they're just responding positively to someone acknowledging them. But I think that has been an important takeaway for me is we're only successful because of the people that hold us up. And then you can get in where you fit in, even if you're in a little bit of a rigid structure. I work at Black and Beach now, and our planning and modeling division is definitely a separate piece of the pie than civil. And there's just some really great people in the planning department. And I've talked to them and I've tried to really sell like, hey, my report writing skills are great. Your modelers can stay in the model. If we communicate well, I promise you I can do this. And I've gotten to stay on some planning projects and I really love that. I love that people have made room for me instead of saying, well, typically. So I think it's, you know, swing for the fences. If you're not sure what you want, just keep expanding that. And then sometimes it's not even about working on what you want so much as working with people who are well organized and teach well and are fun and have cool projects. And it's good to have skills so you can just raise your hand and find a way into those instead of being in a box and waiting for opportunities that line up
0: with that. That makes sense. Let's talk about this niche that you're in right now. Can you describe what you're doing on the daily today? And I guess what gravitated you to more of the water resources or environmental kind of area of engineering?
1: So I guess I'll start with what brought me here and work towards the front of that question. I think it was initially that I thought I was going into research and the influence of my parents with the biology degree, it it lined up with my skills, but part of it is because I fostered those and thought I would be there. And so going into environmental felt like a nice blend of engineering and the biological sciences. And water was one of those things. I can't remember where I heard it first. Maybe it was my environmental sciences teachers in college about not just water as a resource, but us truly needing to have the longevity in mind and it being this uniting resource, we will all have to deal with this together. It's going to take everybody, kind of like one of those problems facing humanity. So that's something that can get me through those bad days, right? That feels like a cause. And so yeah, that's kind of why I went this route. And initially, I thought it was going to be a regulator. That's where my internships were. And I really liked it. I really love legal code and reading through it. It's so well-organized. <laughs> And uh, I just ended up in consulting and because those two firms that I first worked at of school were small and growing, it very much was this mentality of what can we convince people to let us do for them and support them. And that was really fun. It was just, I hate to say jack of all trades, master of none, but it was really fun to kind of take on everything and learn and grow and have kind of that teamwork environment.
0: What was the overall umbrella for that first company in terms of like the niche they were trying to get work from?
1: Always water, wastewater. Okay. And my internship, I was with the state of Missouri Department of Natural Resources and I was in the industrial wastewater permits program and I really liked it.
0: That's awesome. I think this is a fascinating niche to be in the environmental wastewater water arena. What challenges are you seeing or that you foresee in the future? We just talked about this is kind of a humanity problem that excites you. But what challenges are you seeing either daily with what you do at work or even in the future?
1: I think they're very human oriented problems. I think, you know, I don't know if it's because of people, what individuals bring to their jobs or if it's, as an industry, we're truly facing this, but I've heard from peers, it feels like everybody is a little bit on the cusp of being overburdened and there's talk of us facing this silver wave. So I don't see us not struggling a little bit as the older generations retire. We lose some of that institutional knowledge and we're struggling to bear that workload. But, you know, we we lose the opportunity to kind of connect and build those bonds because of that, right? That it ends up trickling down a little bit and people are all a little stretched thin because you're making decisions that you would maybe feel more enabled to make having just that 10% bit more of support that people don't have to offer right now because they're stretched thin. And I just think it eventually gets passed on all the way down. And uh I think somehow we're going to have to find a way to like, maintain something that preserves our sanity, but also our quality of work, because that's really what it's about is what we do does matter and doing it well matters. And that's what gives us the ability to do that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the world that we're in, we affect everything from the water we're drinking to the roads we're driving on, the buildings that we're in. My world, making sure that your lights turn on uh, things, have, you know, everything that we interact with on, on a daily level, engineers are involved with. I'm also seeing the same thing, you know, you call it the silver wave, but yes, people are retiring and a lot of that work is coming to others. And sometimes companies aren't even backfilling positions sometimes and you're left to absorb some of that work sometimes, not in all cases. But I think there's a huge demand for engineers out there. I think it's a great field to be in. Do you have any advice for people that want to step into this world and any tips or challenges you faced coming in?
1: I feel like my best advice to people who are just graduating and coming into this are interview the companies well, interview the team that you'll be working with well, look for people with good people skills, interview some of the younger staff and interview people who are newer to the team, even if that doesn't mean younger, because... I think those perspectives are important. Like you'll get an idea of who's a good teacher and communicator and who runs cohesive teams. And I think that's really what to look for is, you know, like I think the companies and the teams that are going to thrive through those struggles that we were just talking about are going to be the ones where the managers and the leadership teams really go to bat for everyone that they're leading. So look for those people interview them.
0: What's been a favorite project you've worked on? Oh,
1: man, that's tough. I really like I'm working on a project in Vale right now. We're in the construction phase of some improvements at the wastewater treatment plant. And we just have such a good team. We have such a good team top to bottom. The client that we're working with is great. The contractor is great. The subcontractors are great. It's rare that everything comes together so well and just runs so smoothly. It's been great. I mean, there are struggles on every project, but they're easy to handle because of that functioning team And then another big one, I helped develop the Town of Superior's risk and resiliency analysis and their emergency response plan. It's for the WIA law. I can't, I think it was passed in 2018, but we certified with the EPA less than a week before the Marshall Fire broke out here, which was the first federal emergency of 2022. And I live in the community. So initially it was just a fun way to get to know things in and out at first like I got to call the local NPR station to talk about how to distribute things so shout out KUNC yeah like you're building this inventory of resources and like just learning all these things about the town but when the fire came through it really drives home like we're saying what you do matters doing a good job matters like really bringing that quality of work means something
0: Well, that's uh, definitely um, good advice. Have you ever experienced any ethical challenges at work or I guess problems in general? How did you handle them?
1: Delicately. (laughs) I think it's always ensuing positive intent first. I think that's important. And then I think it's easier when you have mentors who can offer you guidance. We really do kind of stand on the shoulders of the people who came before us There's a lot of people who have been in a lot of similar situations. We just don't talk about it all the time. So reach out to somebody, you know, who has discretion. But ultimately, you just kind of have to trust your gut and use your voice. You know, it's uh, important to be respectful, but being young or just not having a position of power within your organization doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have a perspective or that you don't deserve to be direct with people or things like that. I think a lot of things can be solved just by being direct and speaking up.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many instances and issues. And um, I like what you said. A lot of times those ethical pathways are established by the ones that have gone before you. And... As you're taking, you know, any FE or PE exam too, you know, there's an ethics section that's involved there too, so that engineers are doing things ethically, you care for the public welfare and safety of the public, but very good advice. For anybody coming into this field or a similar field that you're in, what would you try to pinpoint are some essential skills to develop as you're coming into this?
1: I think the people skills, it's good to be able to communicate, especially when you first start. I think a lot of people look for questions as a sign of... Not just what you're learning, but what your thought process is. And I think sometimes people are afraid to ask questions. So, you know, just open communication things like that. Humility to a certain degree that especially within engineering, our expertise is our area of practice, right? Like you can be a civil engineer and your expertise is a very small piece of all the things that can be civil engineering. And so it's important that you can learn something from everybody as long as you're open to it and to look for those opportunities too. I think being open to criticism or I guess just seeking out feedback maybe is a better way to put it because it's not so much criticism as it is people honing and refining your skill set. And so the more you seek that out, the faster you get better at what you do. And I think learning the jobs, a little bit of the people that you rely on is important. You know, I think just one example, I know there's some firms in civil engineering where the engineers do their own CAD work, some firms you don't. But in the firms where you have CAD technicians and a very clean line between that and engineering, it's important to know a little bit about how the sausage is made because some of those edits are easy blanket format changes in a style. And then some things that you would think are small actually take a long time. And it helps if you know how big of a problem you're bringing to somebody, because if you can acknowledge that and be a little sympathetic to like how you're impacting someone's day and their work life, you just have a better working relationship and people won't necessarily hold things against you that you can't control in a project, which sometimes just happens because we're human.
0: Well, you bring up an interesting point about knowing how the sausage is made. I think one of the big barriers sometimes I think people have to coming into engineering is not only going through school and kind of jumping through the hoops of that, which seems very technical. And it is. You're going to go through a lot of classes that way. Now that you're working, I guess, in your workplace, is there a balance between what you do technically and I guess not technical work.
1: So it, it kind of depends on the day because like I said, I've managed to wedge into a lot of little places in the fire web. Okay. Dug my hooks into a lot of different projects. And so sometimes I am just in the spreadsheets and the off working And and that team, we just kind of come back together with all of our little pieces done independently. But I will say... Without ever having explicitly acknowledged it, that team very much understands the importance of the connection. And we all spend about 10 minutes at the beginning, end of our weekly meeting, just kind of talking about the week and our lives and books or podcasts and stuff like that. It's really fun. And then with some of the construction projects I'm working on. The technical side of it will be the submittal reviews, but it's always paired up with people skills because a lot of times we want the client input on whether or not their maintenance crew has any input, particularly on some of the products or like the instrumentation and controls, bringing that in. And that can be, not that it's a delicate situation, that it's easy to sour relationships, but I think sometimes people underestimate how much keeping things smooth will benefit the project overall. And even the technical skills, if you bring that softer side to it, it just kind of helps overall. And I mean, you end up coordinating with people all day, every day, pretty much, even if you are working independently on a lot of things, just checking in and getting your QA, QC
0: or. Okay, well, that's good. I just wanted to get a glimpse of kind of what the daily was like and if there was a balance between any of that, but that's very helpful. Well, this has been uh, very inspiring, Adrienne. I appreciate all the information that you've shared with us, what you do and really what you've brought to the table in the world of engineering. So if anybody had a question about going into this field of environmental or water resources, is there a good way to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, you can reach me at my email. It's adrianmburrows at gmail.com, which I'm sure folks will probably want that spelled out. And then LinkedIn is also a good place to connect with me. That's usually where we can dig into backgrounds a little bit and point you to somebody that you would want to be connected with. So whether that's me or someone else.
0: Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me and answer some of my questions.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me.
0: All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.